Computer, initialize Holosuite. Welcome to another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Perry. And I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 2, Episode 13, Armageddon Game. Before we continue, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. Absolutely, and you should find us and follow us mainly so that I can stop saying this every week, and I can say (laughs) other things like, now that we have a certain number of followers, we're going to do a special prize or a giveaway or some other kind of cool contest. But <laughs> we need those magic numbers before we can do that. So all seven us. billion of you on the planet, why haven't there, you been listening yet? <laughs> if I could get all seven billion to listen to even one podcast, I would I would lose my mind. Oh yeah, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, find us, follow us, and I promise you, it's a good time. Um, try my best to make it as entertaining as possible. But as David said, tonight we're here to talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and the episode tonight is Armageddon Game. Um, this would be the part of the second season, I believe this is episode 13 in the second season. Yeah. Yep, yep, that's and right. it's showing a uh, duo that we've only really seen once before, and now we're getting to see them again, and uh, getting to see them really build their relationship. And I'm talking, of course, of Chief Miles O'Brien and Dr. Julian Bashir. Um, so, but before we dive into all that, of course, yep. I ask as always, David, how was your week? It's been good. Um, nothing major going on here. Uh, got to visit, oh, I think I said that last week that I was able to visit family. That was a week ago. So at this point, yeah, that was just a normal week of my life. How about you? Uh, you know, I try to keep it really stable right now. Um, work has been pretty good. You know, my kid is really excited because school ending is on the horizon, you know, so we've, right. I've got to prepare for, for summer, my first summer now with a, um, graduated first grader and what are we going to do? So I have no idea, <laughs> you know, I, I know that I'll have to work, but I'm, I'm sure I'll plan something for us to keep her entertained. Yeah. But otherwise, man, it's just been. Everything's been pretty much okay, and I'm glad for that. I've been enjoying um, more of that show I was talking about last week, Big Sky, and, of course, um, the newest episode of Picard, which came out just last Thursday. Um, I do feel like this episode was much better than the one before that. I had some complaints in the one before that about Patrick Stewart, you know, in in his um, portrayal there, just feeling like he was either a little bit lackluster in that episode. But, you know, um, he's definitely... Coming on strong here in these last few episodes of this season. And then, of course, right. I'm just still really excited for season three. Um, I know it's not coming out until next year, blah, blah, blah. But I'm already <laughs> I'm already excited for it. I know that the filming yeah. on it is already complete because they filmed the whole thing from season two to three all the way through. I don't know if they right. did that just because, you know, there were other um, other 
agreements or constraints. You know, I know that Patrick Stewart has a, another movie that he's supposed to be doing soon. I don't know if the other yeah. actors were doing other things as well. If COVID was a factor and just trying to get it all done while they knew everybody was, you know, safe and secure and whatnot. Right. But all I know is it's done, and it's a shame to me that I have to wait a whole other year. I'm just like, guys, just keep it rolling. Let season three <laughs> come on out and keep it happening. But yeah, so that'll be over. Then, of course, we've got Strange New Worlds coming out. That is May um, 2023. No, I'm sorry, 2022. It's this year. So um, hopefully that is as good as it appears to be. And I'm still not watching, right. and last but not least, I'm still not watching Halo. I did not watch the most yeah. recent episodes. I'm just not at all impressed with it. And uh, sorry, Paramount. you. This one's, this one's a dud for me. I'm just not going to do yeah. it. So. Eh, that's too bad. Yeah. Well, actually, kind of bring uh, makes me think of something that we could bring up real quick. Um, Netflix in the uh, by the time this episode drops, the news that Netflix's stock has drastically dropped because of their yeah. loss of two hundred thousand subscribers is is big news, uh, which is actually I think something we could you know talk about a little bit in the sense that yeah. you know we've been talking about how like all the Star Trek shows are you know finally getting off of Netflix which seems to be one of the reasons that Netflix is suffering is like all of the great shows that Netflix was able to stream because they were like the only streaming service is now uh, no longer the case you know they have lost a lot of those great shows Deep Space 9 being one of the last ones as we can talk about um, I am excited for the announcement that Stranger Things season 4 is coming out and I do uh, want to watch that, but it made me think about my own subscription after that announcement. I was like, well, I mean, after Stranger Things is done, I mean, Deep Space or uh, um, Deep Space Nine is already going to be over on Paramount Plus. If it's already a cheaper service, and I don't really know of anything else I want on Netflix, I may be jumping ship just as soon as Stranger Things finishes. So absolutely, I mean, there was um, I read the same thing about the loss in viewership, and I hear that they're also looking at another wave of subscription losses because they're supposedly going to be cracking down on the profile sharing that was going yeah. on. Yeah. So right. um, so that is going to be a big factor that's going to most likely cause a lot of people to jump ship as well and yes um, yeah. netflix has also canceled a lot of their original programming that was very promising but for whatever reason they decided not to continue through with it if you look there's a lot of shows that fit that pattern you know they got like maybe yeah. th- it seems to be like three seasons was the magic yeah. number they after that third season they were dropped the show was canceled there was no explanation for it the show was just wholly yeah. gone um right they did have shows that they bought like you know the all the star trek shows stargate things like that but they didn't renew the contracts on those and there was this talk about um expanding their original programming but with so many shows that they started and then just stopped abruptly with no explanation i mean it probably makes a lot of production companies kind of gun shy i would figure to go with with Netflix, when you're trying to get a long deal yeah. out of something, hoping for, you know, four or five, six seasons, something that would work well with syndication as well. And right. with multiple streaming platforms, it's very hard to get those things off the ground when you only have three seasons. So, right. so that could be another yeah. thing that's really hurting Netflix too right now. Yeah, I was listening to a video, I think it was today, it might have been yesterday, but they were talking, this person was talking about why is Netflix suffering, and they were pointing out how, you know, Netflix has a thing of dropping all their episodes in one go, which is unique to them, but also means that they aren't able to build up momentum over a season of of interest. Like, think of all your favorite shows, you know, most shows are those that they they have a week-to-week uh, episode drop and so you can talk about the previous episode and people who aren't 
you know, currently invested hear about it and they're like, oh, well, it's still going on. I can jump in, grab a couple episodes and be caught up by the time the finale finally rolls around. And so Netflix, by, by doing that and then also by not advertising their shows very far in advance, you basically have a real flash in the pan problem of they can get real flashy shows and they can you know, promote it and even get some buzz, but then they aren't able to get a momentum going and that seems to be hurting them. Yes. Um, and then as you just pointed out, a lot of shows, uh, this, this video was pointing out, a lot of shows on Netflix don't uh, get renewed for additional seasons. They are, if the shows are a flash in the pan in terms of they come out and they get some small, you know, just a little bit of response and then it's kind of gone, well then Netflix doesn't follow up by continuing to build yeah you know, seasons either. And uh, it seems like Netflix has unfortunately been kind of operating on a, on a a bad business scheme in that sense for some time now. And by the, and they were able to continue coasting because they had all the content that people wanted. You could watch friends, you could watch the office, you could watch Star Trek, you could watch all these great shows. And now all they have is their own content and they failed to properly promote their own content and it's biting them. Well, and Uh, and not only that, but it's also pricing. Netflix is without a doubt one of the most expensive streaming services that's out there. Even when you look at Amazon, when you get the Amazon streaming, a lot of that comes with additional Amazon products like a Prime membership, for example. And by having that, you have access to a whole lot more than just streaming and ordering. There's just a lot that Amazon offers for about the same price point, whereas with Netflix, you're just getting this one thing. Between that... This, um, the restrictions to profiles that they're getting ready to implement and the lack of content and then disappearing content as well. Netflix is really going to find themselves, I feel, you know, in a tough bind here really soon. Uh, yeah. The same report that I was talking about earlier said that they had dropped somewhere around like 30%, I think, of their right. of their original value. They're getting ready to be hit yet again because of, again, the, the profile sharing. Between all of these losses, I don't see how they can keep up that business model and expect people to pay almost twenty dollars a month for their subscription service. When we, when it's not like we don't also have others like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, HBO Max, what all the other ones there are. Yeah. So suddenly finding yourself, especially right now with prices for everything being what they are, the last thing people are going to want to pay for is a subscription service that doesn't deliver on content yeah you can't amongst fa- everything yeah. else they can already get exactly when yes, exactly. you've got so yeah. many other options and even if even if say hulu doesn't carry necessarily the show that you want you can probably find several different shows on on hulu that are new that have multiple seasons and that you can have access well, to for a lower price point well and hulu carries i mean correct me if i'm wrong but hulu carries like shows that are like so i watch master chef and the and jordan ramsey's shows on hulu so i can get I and mean, i don't think that would ever be on netflix that's just not their kind of yeah. content so you can find the more the 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 uh the um reality type shows yeah. on on hulu or at least some the ones i care about at least so well one of the cool things about netflix that i used to enjoy the most is that netflix had a lot of older shows um in their complete set Right. And so what I mean by mm-hmm. that was like if you were a fan of Star Trek as an example, if you were a fan of Star Trek, but you were really little when it came out. Right. And maybe you missed a lot of episodes or maybe you were just, you know, you again, you were a little kid, so you didn't really understand them. The fact that you could go back and watch the entire show uninterrupted 
was a great right. draw. And doing yes. that for other shows would have been, to me, the, the great uh, goal. Because you would have right. kept people who were kind of on the periphery of a lot of shows, like The West Wing is another one. I remember The West Wing being on when I was little, but of course, I mean, who, no kid wants to watch The West Wing. But being right. able to go back um, as, an, as adult, an adult, right, yeah, and watch the show and and really enjoy it. And again, it's all there. It's all complete. It's uninterrupted, no commercials or nothing. That's that's a great draw. But they've really seemed to stop doing that, stop purchasing older shows and putting them back out there. Um, well, I, I would just say it's probably not that they've failed to, to buy them. Is like all, like Peacock, CBS has Paramount. Well, uh, every channel now has their own content well, that's, on their own stream. Well, service. that's now. Like Hulu, I mean, like all those services are doing that now. But back when, you know, it was just Netflix. Like I remember when Netflix was started to started to announce that they were going to be doing more of their own original content. Again, which is fine. Right. But that clear decision and departure from having all these other shows, I feel like really hurt them. They should have. So you're saying they, they kind of preemptively stopped caring so much about carrying all those great shows. They started focusing on themselves and yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I mean, it's nutty. I mean, that was, that was the whole draw of Netflix. And again, and again, even in the early days of Netflix, if you couldn't find the show on Netflix, you could get the DVD from them. They would drop it to say, your door, you know. Yeah. Um, so get apparently, that. there are still two million subscribers to the DVD service. So if you still want to get shows, I can't imagine. <laughs> I, I can't imagine. And because, well, like you just said, like now every network has their own platform: CBS, ABC. Right. They all have their own streaming thing. So if there's a show that you want to watch, you can go to their platform and find it. And the subscriptions are much cheaper. And again, for the 20 bucks yeah. that you're paying for Netflix, you can get Paramount, Hulu, and um Disney Plus. Yeah, probably, Disney Plus, yeah. yeah. You know, and then now Hulu's got that other package now where it's like yeah, for 15 bucks, you can get Hulu, ESPN, Disney Plus, and I think there's one other thing that's tied into it. I have it with well. Hulu and and HBO Max. That's so, how I have mine set up. So, yeah. so you know, all the little unique combinations that you can do and still less Still less yeah. than just the one Hulu. Um, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like Hulu just I, made us a couple of really bad moves here. Yeah. Well, I just have to say the joke that Kelly Kapoor makes in The Office where – well, it's not a joke. She's being uh, asked, how does Netflix work? And she's being she's telling that you can make your cue of your DVD and if you want to see this movie, but then you change your mind and you change the – like that joke is is – the. the the next generation is never going to understand that joke. <laughs> Gen Z is never going to get what that was about. <laughs> well, there's a lot of that that goes on these days. You know, uh, I was watching something just recently and somebody said, where's the nearest phone booth? And even I had to like stop. And I was like, he, he just asked for a phone booth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, really... just borrow my work phone. I can let you borrow my work phone. Right. For crying out loud. <laughs> you know, I was just like, geez. Uh, and I, I, actually, I love those moments a lot, but it does – Really start to date you after a while when you when you still know what it is and the person sitting next to you doesn't, or when they say something and you have no idea what it is. Right. You know. So yeah, those are always fun. Yeah. But speaking of things that people talk about that we may have no idea about, let's jump not to the past but to the future and finally talk about our episode, <laughs> Star Trek: Deep Space Nine Armageddon. Game. Yeah, let's do it. So, would you like to give the quick recap, or do you want me to do it? I'd be happy to do it. I think I did it last time, but I, think, uh, I can do it. What I do think, you think I did it last time. 
Did you? Okay, well, last time was the Odo episode. Right? Oh, yes. Okay, all right, let me do it then. Go for it. All right, so uh, on this episode, we open up and uh, we're on a station where Dr. Bashir and O'Brien are assisting uh, two alien races who had previously been in war at war with each other. Uh, uh, Bashir is taking point to, to help destroy a biological weapon called the Harvesters that each side used to great devastation uh, during a war that they are apparently wanting to move past. Uh, they are successful, and as we see them uh, prove successful, they uh, are able to deactivate a room full of these biological devices. However, right as they finish deactivating the last one, suddenly their group, including the group of scientific, the scientists from these alien uh, races, are attacked by two members of one of the factions. And they kill everyone in the room and attempt to kill Bashir and O'Brien, but uh, Bashir and O'Brien are able to overpower them and kill those two, and then they attempt to beam to their runabout. They are unable to, so O'Brien, being our uh, guy who's in charge of you know beaming people anywhere and everywhere, as TNG would uh, remind you of, uh, he gets them onto the planet instead, and then sets it for 30 seconds later to blow up. So they make it to the planet. Uh, before they do, O'Brien gets a little bit of the biological weapon on him, and he starts to succumb to the genetic bioweapon. Uh, while they're on the planet, they do find a box that is a communication device, and so O'Brien starts working on it, but is unable to uh, fix it before he starts to succumb to this biological weapon. And so Bashir, who has been talking with O'Brien um, about his own love life and about marriage and how O'Brien doesn't seem to be happy and Keiko doesn't seem to be happy on the station, uh, O'Brien is a force, because he's falling ill, to tell Bashir how to work the machine and fix it, even while O'Brien is starting to die from this disease. Back on Deep Space Nine, uh, Cisco is notified by the two ambassadors from these two alien races of the deaths of Bashir and O'Brien. However, their story about what happened is very different from what we know to be the truth. They claim that O'Brien, during the last of the fixing of this genetic weapon, destroying the genetic weapon, O'Brien accidentally triggered a failsafe that killed everyone in the room, and so they died along with everyone else. They present a video to Cisco, which seems to corroborate their story. Uh, in this video, O'Brien says, oh no, I tripped something, and then suddenly everyone's dead. But when Cisco goes to Keiko, O'Brien's wife, uh, and tells her the bad news, she comes back to him and says, O'Brien doesn't drink coffee in the afternoon because he would not be able to fall asleep later in the day. So I don't think this... Uh, video is real. I think it's been doctored. Uh, Cisco and Dax decide to go uh, back to the station where the scientific study was being held because the runabout that O'Brien and uh, Bashir had used is still in orbit around the planet and so does need to be escorted back to the station. So they decide to go a little bit early and examine what happened. Uh, when they start examining things, they realize that... Um, Bashir and O'Brien must have beamed down to the planet, and so they try, uh, and so they realize that they can get them out. 
Uh, the ambassadors of the two factions are also able to find O'Brien and, and uh, Bashir, and they reveal that they were trying to kill everyone in the room so that no one could reproduce the technology that brought about this genetic weapon. They want to kill everyone, including their own people, who are already dead by this point, so that this technology can never be used again. And Bashir and O'Brien are the last two people that would have any knowledge about it, and so they must be killed. Um, O'Brien and Bashir are suddenly uh, beamed back to the runabout because Dax has found them. And so uh, Cisco and Dax try and escape, but the alien, this alien, the two alien factions have a much larger ship and so are able to kind of stop uh, Cisco and the others from escaping. So Cisco gets on the comms with them and tells them that this is an act of war with the Federation, and when the uh, aliens will not let them go, they take the... Cisco takes control of the runabout and seemingly tries to ram the alien ship. But the alien ship destroys the runabout, and then realize right as they do this that the other runabout has just made a warp jump, because that was the actual ship that had all four of our crew. And so they make it safely back to the station. Bashir is able to save O'Brien's life, and that's effectively the end of the episode. Uh, does anything I missed there, Perry? No, you got the highlights. That's all we need, because we're going to, of course, do our own deep dive, and that's yeah. going to get into all those other things. So we're good. Let's do it. All right. So, yes, the two races that we had here, the Talani and the Keller. So, yes. as you said, yeah, Warring Species created this disease virus something that was called mm -hmm. um the harvesters, harvesters. yes the harvesters yeah. so interesting name for a uh a weapon of death i mean that's what they were harvesting <laughs> was was bodies harvesting yeah. souls there um <laughs> you know but uh interesting display of new technology that is not um Bajoran, for one thing, that I really appreciated. You know, we get to see yes. a whole new race, and we're going to see them in a, a bit more detail, too. You know, not just them coming to the station, and all we really get is, you know, some some odd makeup and some new clothes, but we get to see them, right. you know, in a functional place that they work, their own space station, right? We get to see their uh, spaceships and their hairstyles, which were right. fantastic. By the oh, way. I have just, comments. Uh, I have comments. Go ahead. <laughs> what did you think of that hair, man? <laughs> oh, man. Well, First off, it, it I guess I would just say that this is commentary on this beginning of the episode in general. I felt like the beginning of the episode was very stilted and stiff, and that was perfectly exemplified by these stiff, strange hairdos that these two races had. You knew which person was of which race because of which hairdo they were sporting. And when I was first trying to look at the the, the styles of these, these aliens... It looked almost at first like on some of them that their ears were causing their hair to stick up on the edges. So I thought at first they looked kind of silly. They all had the same hairstyle. And then I thought, well, maybe it's because of their heads or, you know, have certain designs. But then it, it just felt like it was just a quick, easy way for us to visually understand who's who, which, right. okay, fine. But um, the whole time, especially the second group, they have their, their hairdos in a kind of like a top knot sort of look which reminded me of what i understand is like japanese samurai look so mm -hmm. the whole time i just felt like they were just kind of like a, a lazy version of a samurai top knot look um 
So it felt like the opening scene felt stiff, like, oh, we have this this disease and uh, Bashir is on this 375th time and he he's talking about it and oh he's been successful and congratulations doctor you've done a great job and so the the whole opening <laughs> scene to me just felt kind of stilted like it really was working hard to set up everything yeah but i will say that because they go ahead and just take a swing at it in the in the teaser the opening scene and explain everything we're able to get a lot of content for the rest of the episode, yeah. or at least between Bashir and O'Brien. So while I do feel that it was a bit kind of um, like a quick hand version of what, what was going on, it, it did serve the episode overall. And so I'll let it pass. Excellent points. Um, I feel like a lot of what you said ties into what I wanted to say, which was this is an episode to me that would have worked great as a two-parter. Because like you were just saying, a lot of things came off really kind of stiff at first and there needed to be this kind of building up of what was going to be our main event there. But we needed, right. I felt like we just needed more. We needed a little bit more time to spend with right. the Talani and the Keller and to understand the significance yes. of this Harvester moment. We needed to see that kind of work that Bashir is putting in, that he's supposed to be so painstaking and exhausting. And, and also why when they're done or almost done anyway, O'Brien can't wait to go home. You know, they're making it. Yes, like they, yes. They've been there for so long and he's just so excited to go home or so eager to go home, you know, and, and, and Bashir's Bashir like, Bashir wants oh, to we, meet we the ladies. Stay. Right. He wants his own <laughs> kind of relaxation, you know, to, again, right. showing the dynamics of the two men. Uh, yes. You know, O'Brien is, uh, he's older, he's a family man, he wants to be home, and that's where he relaxes. Whereas right. Bashir is young, and he hasn't established a family yet at this time, and he's still looking for right. adventure in all of its forms, you know. So um, right. seeing a little bit more of that interplay would have been great. Um, right. I do still like this episode, though, because it gives me something that we haven't really had a lot of um, here, and that is the development of these two particular personalities, right? Right. And we've seen them yeah. in a couple of different ways, like partnered up, but never really at this to this degree, to this level. And listening right. to finally, you know, finally getting some more of Bashir's backstory. And, you know, because we're initially yeah. introduced to him as being this bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, straight-from-the-academy doctor, right? But now we find that he, you know, yes, he did go to the academy. Yes, he did graduate, you know, almost top of his class and so forth. But he had a whole other life plan for a while there. Get married right. to a dancer and take over this hospital and be this world-renowned doctor. And instead, yeah. he chose... Starfleet. So, you know, we get a lot from him here, and it made me think of, um, again, like older shows, older movies where they have these kind of whimsical, wax poetic moments with that soft music in the background, you know? So that's kind right. of what I was thinking they were trying to do here, you know, like maybe something kind of early 40s. Um, not not quite noir, but you know that that very kind of cheesy lovelorn scene that we used to get from those early movies. Right. Um, yeah. But again, something that could have been developed more had this been a two-parter episode. You know, right. even with Cisco leaping right away to wanting to go and investigate because Keiko said, "My husband doesn't drink <laughs> coffee in the afternoon." I mean, yeah. 
I love that it's like we're gonna take it on kind of blind faith because keep in mind yes. these officers don't really know each other very well. Okay, they have I know, not that's been my working whole point. right. <laughs> they have not been working together for very long. But because of what Keiko says, he's ready to not only send Dax early, but he's going. The station commander is going with. Yeah, him. I yeah. was like, that's... really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I agree. I totally. I I I want to say I think that was a great. A great scene because Keiko is so confident, you know. Uh, O'Brien doesn't, yeah. O'Brien doesn't drink in the afternoon. It makes him so he can't sleep. And you know the others ask her questions like, "Well, are you sure about that? Maybe it's not coffee." And she's like, "Nope, I'm sure. I checked. She did all of her research. And she she checked so the log of right. the video, and the video confirmed that that's what it was. She coffee. was she was so forthright that man, the station commander himself was like, "Well, we're." We're going. We're going. And I actually do love that. I, I love. Know, I that love Cisco. it too. I, I yeah, Cisco's it, but... like, you know what? Hey, Dax, we, we should go ahead and take. Uh, what do you think? There's nothing else going on. Um, what do you think? Should we go ahead and do it? And and he goes. And I love that he gave her that that benefit, bit of trust. Yeah, that like, benefit of the doubt. He was just like, yeah. I have no reason not to believe that Keiko O'Brien is right about her husband. We're going right. to go check this out. You know. I have I I can go ahead and even if she's wrong I could give her because he said it when he first announced to her that her husband had died he said if you need anything let me know this is him going ahead and and answering that request of I'm gonna double check that your concerns aren't actually truth uh, so I actually really liked that scene even though you're right it was funny that hey I'm just gonna leave the station in the hands of anybody who I mean she doesn't even say Kira you're in charge right. she just goes. Well, I also think it's one of those things, too. Had this been anybody else, like, we've done the comparison of Cisco to Picard a lot, right? If this had been Picard, Picard would not have gone. There's just no way that Picard would have gone. Oh, yes. I do believe he would have said... I want you and Jordy to beam down to the planet. Yeah, Riker, you know, Riker, Jordy, Riker, Worf, some of those, those those would have been the people that would have gone. But I feel like the reason that Cisco goes is because Cisco is also a widower. And he understands yeah. what that's like to lose yeah. your spouse in the line of duty. And when he said, if you need anything, I really feel on that much. Especially when he delivered the line, you know, if you need anything at all. The way he says it, I was just like, he fully believes that. He's He is committed to that. If she needs anything, he's there. And then she came, yeah. she asked, and he was like, we're going. Like, that was right. it. Like, his commitment was 100% because if that in any yeah. way brought her a modicum of solace he wanted to be the one that delivered it to her yeah. you know well and it's also true too that you know he himself knows o'brien he already has some kind of doubts he's he asked questions when the ambassadors were there he's seen the video so he's convinced at that point but as soon as keiko gives him a reason to go ahead and just double check the story yeah not only does he give her the benefit of the doubt and like well she knows him but he also is ready to question the story and investigate and uh <laughs> i mean i just think like as soon as Keiko was like, oh, he never drinks coffee, and then the others were like, well, you know, what if he's, like, really busy or something? And it's like, have you seen O'Brien? O'Brien is usually having to work really hard. I imagine he gets stressed out by doing stuff, and coffee sounds like a great way to help deal with that. I'm sure the others have seen, especially because we know at the end of the episode, that he does say he drinks coffee, mm-hmm. It is, it, which is a fantastic little moment. We'll get to that a little bit more. But, like... Yeah, I thought it made sense that the others would have seen him drinking coffee, and they could have said, well, I've seen him drinking coffee, Well, Pedro, the, thing so. is, the, well the thing is, <laughs> none of them say that, though. They were just like, are you sure? Like, no one right. said, 
Well, you know, I think I've seen him a couple of times in, in Quarks or in the Replimat or walking down the hallway. No, no one said it. They were just like, are you sure? And she's like, I yeah. know my husband. And that silenced them all. Yes. So, yeah, if, yes. someone had, if someone had been like, well, you know, I don't know. Couldn't think of it. I thought I saw him in Ops last week drinking coffee at like 4 in the afternoon. If someone had and he said was it, chugging right, it. <laughs> like that could have thrown her whole story off if anybody well, had said anything else, you know? Well, and it's it's funny too as we, th- as we talk about this because just a couple episodes ago, Kira was saying, hey, Cisco, I remember you drink a Kappa. Right. Ju- what's the Jumpagino? Rakagino. Rakagino. There it is. Yeah. And so it's like if anyone would know, Kira would have had an insight, but she doesn't step up and say anything. Which so. just goes hey, to show right. you that no one cares about O'Brien. They're just letting <laughs> that man just roam all over the station, shocking himself, drinking coffee, <laughs> passing out in corridors. No one cares. Like, yeah, just keep yeah. the lights running, Chief. We don't give a crap about your health. I know. You know that's yeah, pretty yeah. much what it was. Just again, that same episode is the one where uh, where Cisco tells O'Brien, "Hey, uh, I know you. You you wouldn't be happy unless you had a problem." And O'Brien's like, uh, "No, I would be very happy uh, actually, if there were problems." Yeah. You don't know me at all, apparently. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Apparently, no one, including Keiko, knows O'Brien. No right. one understands right. this man. Yeah. <laughs> Poor O'Brien, surrounded by a bunch of just unobservant so-called friends. Like, man. Oh, yeah. Which which I think is a perfect transition into the whole Bashir-O'Brien conversation about marriage and uh, the, the O'Brien marriage right, in particular. Right, <laughs> Yeah. yeah uh, Bashir lets loose some uh, seemingly uh, deep truth bombs there for the O'Brien. Oh, yeah. And yeah. even in his weakened state, O'Brien looked like he was ready to kill him. I know. <laughs> uh, that look he gave when he said, uh, uh, Bashir says, Mrs. O'Brien. And O'Brien gives him the sidelong glance of a man who's contemplating uh, murder. And he's like, say that again? And he's yeah. like, uh, what about Mrs. O'Brien? Never mind. Never mind. He's like, yeah, yeah smartest thing you've said. And I was like, ooh. Yes, exactly. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Right. Oh, yeah. Bashir, oh, man. That man thinks he is God's gift to everybody. He just he has he, he has things to say. It's not a secret no. that Mrs. O'Brien doesn't like being on the station. It's like okay, you, you what? It's like do you just do you carry around a lot of extra shoes cuz your foot is in your mouth all the time. Like you're I, you're, I you're chewing on it. Yeah, you got a good yeah. Starfleet leather must taste good, man, cuz you just can't stop. Yeah. And then it it, it, really, it turns into a conversation about marriage, and we learn that Bashir, uh, as as you've I've already kind of uh, insinuated, but he was in love apparently with this ballerina for like two years. This wonderful lady. They were, were they engaged. engaged? I don't That's know. What he says. Okay, they were engaged. Well, yeah, but then yeah, but then Bashir. Well, we'll go back to just a quick second. She was a, a ballerina. She's brilliant. She's gorgeous. She's perfect in every way. You know, Bashir is telling himself how lucky is he. And then when he got a chance to go be a Starfleet officer, he took his chance and left her and hasn't talked to this lady in two years since he joined our uh, crew. And, yeah. you know, it, it, you just it, you just think, like, well, first off, Bashir is the same guy who has been running around trying to talk up every woman he can. So how how really in love was he with this other chick? I mean, if she was wonderful. So this is- And then... Go ahead. No, this is where the story that they tell that they've been building for Bashir really falls apart for me because they do such a yeah. great job of him showing he had this very tragic love story, right? That he was really kind of lovely. Yeah. She was 
She was beautiful. She had fantastic feet and delicate arches and all the stuff he's talking right. about with her and this whole oh, right. life. Yeah. They she were has saying, to have you know, all this stuff, too. right? And then they get to the reason that it didn't work and they kind of muddy the ending there. I'm just like, you didn't do a good job of explaining this at all. Like they should have, in my again, in my opinion, I'm not the writer here, but I feel like <laughs> they should have ended that story with the reason that they weren't together was that she died. You know, that would have oh, made... yeah, that Bashir would've... somehow failed in his medical expertise to right. save her life or something. And so yeah. that would have made his constant skirt chasing seem a little bit more like he knows it's not going to work out, but he's doing it as a way of deflecting because he hasn't dealt with the trauma of losing the one woman his actual who... love. Yeah, 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 you know. But I think they were trying to go for a different kind of story here, not trying to fall back right. so hard on classic TV tropes, which that was always right. one, right? Why didn't the guy get married when he was younger? Well, because his love died, or he died, right. or whatever it was, right? right? Not because they just chose their careers. That's not a, yeah. that's not really a thing. So, I don't think they just knew how to really write that. So, it came off right. very um, very flat to me. So yeah. Well, for me, it, it just comes off, because I just as I just said, like he's already a skirt chaser. So to me, it comes off as hollow. I'm just like, I don't believe that Bashir... I mean, I believe he thinks he might have had a great love, but I imagine part of the reason he actually didn't go with this you know, great job with her father as a surgeon in Paris was that his relationship might have been on the surface perfect, but either she also had issues that he doesn't address in his little... Like he's remembering with you know rose-colored glasses. Oh yeah. Or it turns out that Bashir tanked the relationship, <laughs> and so he's yeah. blaming. Oh, you know, as he says, you know, Starfleet officers, most of them have the opinion that you know all of the all of the stuff that we put our you know loved ones through is just not worth it. And so Bashir, being that selfish jerk that he is, is going to blame you know, his supposed loved ones with, oh, I don't want to put anything on them. And, you know, they wouldn't be able to handle my, my being out and yeah. all the danger that I'm in, so I'm just not going to even put them through that. Which, again, just highlights Bashir's very young, naive, and obviously oblivious uh, mindset because he's working for a station commander who's currently raising a son who was married. Right. And not only was he married and with the kid, but he was the first officer on another ship before coming here. Right. So it in no way impeded Cisco's career. He was right, right on track with everything he wanted to do while also maintaining right. clearly a very successful home life. The thing that messed up his home well, life was the Borg, not right. Well, but no here's my point, choice. though, is that here's exactly what Bashir would say to that. And he would say it with that that look of a sad puppy dog <laughs> who's having to tell you a sad thing, but you just ever hadn't had a chance to think about it. But, you know, if she and – if Cisco had never married his wife, she wouldn't be dead right now, would she? Oh, my God. I can just hear That's that. That's exactly that, what he would say. I could hear that lovesick yet smug tone, and I just – you're right. He right? would say something yes. along those lines. Or, yeah, yeah. He'd be like, well, look at the commander now. He's suffering from clear signs of PTSD while yes. dealing with his son. And I would just want to. And then he would say something right like, and face. have you seen Jake? Right. Jake is, is isolated amongst the, all these Bashirans. He doesn't get a chance to grow up. He's losing his childhood. He would find some really, you know, intellectual way oh, well, of saying. I was going to say. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so. When we hear that he doesn't like marriage, and he's like, "Oh well, it's, it's not that I don't like marriage. That I, it just I, I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to find a woman so wonderful ever again." 
And O'Brien's like, no, marriage is an adventure. And yes, you have setbacks, and yes, you make mistakes, but it's worth the journey. And unfortunately, he's kind of, you know, losing his, his consciousness. You know, yeah. he's having the he's sick and everything, so he can't fully explain himself. But you really do get the, the sense that O'Brien, he's committed to his relationship, and he's not... Yes, there are things they have to work, he and Keiko have to work out, but that's part of the, their relationship, and he's not, he doesn't at any point agree with Bashir's interpretation of right. how marriage is, and it, it's sweet, because especially when we see how Keiko responds to O'Brien's death, she yeah. reads Cisco. you know, Cisco comes in, and I imagine that every one of those situations would read it, I and mean, it's certainly how it's presented in all films and TV shows is, the commanding officer walks in with the, gra the the grave, somber face, and the the wife immediately knows what the conversation is that has to be had, and um, takes it with a stoicism that's very, you know, commendable. And they then say, "I need to be left alone now." And so, Okeiko does a great job. Like, I'm not saying that she is doing a bad job. I actually think her actress, who right now I'm forgetting who plays Keiko. Yeah, she does a great job in that moment. In fact, I'd say in some ways, like, the camera lets it snow, too. Like, I don't, I don't think the right. camera has ever zoomed in on her face as much as this episode did. We got her yep. full reaction. And um, and then when you're, you're so happy when she comes to Ops and says, there's oh, yeah. something wrong with the video. She, you know she she's going to say it. She was very vibrant. <laughs> she was, you know, and very take charge in that. And, you know, there's a lot of underappreciation for Keiko in these moments. But yeah. I feel like, you know, she definitely... Um, her and O'Brien both kind of exemplify to me like that that bit of, I guess, growing up. You could you could say from moving from TNG to Deep Space Nine, because their their whole relationship was kind of idealized on Next Generation when we saw it, you know. And right. we're just seeing this kind of you know even up to their highly stylized wedding, right? Well, now on Deep Space Nine, it's like we're in the real world and we're dealing with the realities right. of being married. And here's this yeah. woman who is like, I know my husband and I checked the record and she is willing to stand by that. I really enjoyed a lot of that. And right. I also feel like what Bashir says about relationships and career officers feeling that way also kind of harkens back to the next generation because no one on Next Generation is involved in a successful marriage. Crusher's yes. husband is dead. Picard is notoriously single. Riker and Troy can't get it together at all. You know, they just, right. whatever. Worf, wife, yes. murdered. And then... Yes. You know, him, uh, him and, him and have Diana. I said to you that I'm so mad that that character whose name I can't remember, Worf's Kalar. girlfriends, Kalar. she was fantastic. Yes. I loved that yes. character. And then she gets killed in that one episode yes. and is gone and... Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. I know that uh, that um, Dax, what, um, Dax and, and Warp, Jodzia, there we go, Jodzia, and they get together. But I, I have to say. Stop spoiling things for yourself. Stop oh, I, come on. Yourself. I know it's going to happen. I'm just <laughs> saying that I just, I just can't imagine that that relationship is going to be anywhere as fantastic as the one that Kalar had. So with, when with, we get there. When we get there, we'll we'll do a comparison and see okay. how you feel. Because right. by that time, we get to see a significant amount of Judzia Dax development, which I think is Good. why you're having such a strong disconnect. Oh yes, right now she's a blank slate. Right, right. <laughs> so we just haven't seen much yeah. to really love Dax the way that I feel like you're going to. But yeah, okay, I mean, right. so yeah, relationships are not a thing in next gen. Like they just they don't yes. go. And so that's actually that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. That Bashir is giving us the TNG version yes. of what relationships are supposed to be, yes. and then O'Brien steps in as a. 
TNG alumni and says the opposite. Yes. He, he gives us a more Deep Space Nine version of things of, no, relationships are worth fighting for. And or It's kind of just, yeah. it's, it's showing the differences of the show. You know, it's just like, you know, Bashir is presenting what he feels like is a very acceptable and rational answer for why no officer is in a relationship. And then here comes O'Brien with, again, Deep Space Nine being more realistic, a little bit more grounded, I feel, and being right. like, we still have these great ideals, but we understand that in reality, it's going to take a lot more to kind of put some right. of the, you got to got to do the work. We don't get to just warp out once we've declared right. our our solution and then leave, right? You got to do the work right. to make it, to make everything happen. And so I feel like that's what you're seeing here is this clear difference and kind of these two finding or trying to establish a common ground on which they'll build their friendship. Now, this episode right. is often called out as the one that really starts to establish the relationship between O'Brien and Bashir, the formation of the friendship, you know. Right. Um, and if you think about it, it kind of makes sense because, like, the first time we saw them together was in season one. When the had story to go fight, Yeah, it had to go fight the big cloud and we tore the rock. We, something. The Dow Rock. And we, yeah. and we tore Bashir to shreds. And that was yes. for his kind of lack of support of O'Brien. He found the whole thing very oh, amusing. He was enjoying yes, he was antagonizing right. O'Brien. Yes. And then, of course, you can call me, you don't have to call me sir. You can call me Bashir. Or, you can call or, me Julian. Um, he wants to call him That's Bashir. it. You can call me Julian. And O'Brien's like, hell, hell no. <laughs> right. Do I, do I have to? <laughs> Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then of course, and then the just next like time, a few episodes. Yeah, I was yeah just a few episodes. One. We had rivals mm -hmm. where the two of them were playing racquetball together, or the f future version of it. And O'Brien couldn't stand. Like that's the thing about Bashir. Bashir comes off as like everything in my life was perfect. My he does. I was the I was the top of my class in school. I had a perfect girlfriend, and I almost married her, but I just couldn't. And I was the best racquetball player. It's like. What? Like, right. Bashir, how much of this are you, like, are you embellishing a thing or two? Are you? Because, I don't well, know. No, he, he rings, it rings is true, you know, and he talks about his, yes. his, in particular, his class standing. He was not valedictorian, right. he was salutatorian. And why? That's true. Because he mistook a post-ganglionic fiber for a pre-ganglionic nerve. You know I what? love the fact that you remember that line. Well, I remember it because he <laughs> says it so many times. But also, does he? You know, he oh, I mean, I've only like, heard it the once. Well, okay. God, it's a lot. But I remember hearing it the first time and not knowing what any of that meant. And I believe that that's the whole reason I started like reading science texts because I wanted to figure out <laughs> what the hell was this man talking about. And now yes. it's just like, okay. Move on. Like, let it go. Yeah. You're still holding on to this thing. But Yeah, um, he says that in, like, episode three to a, a girl at the replimat, yeah. I think, right? Yeah. yeah it was one, of the, one of the uh, no-name Dabo girls that we had seen. Yeah. Uh, he says it to her. <laughs> and then Jadzia partially repeats it later on. Um, right. But, uh, yeah. And it comes up. It's his thing. We're going to hear it right. more. So, right. Get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, another – so, of course, another thing that I'd love to talk about is, of course, the, the after effects, right? We – the Talani and the Kellerin have arrived. They've told Cisco that our two uh, officers are dead, and now we get to see everybody kind of mourning in their own way while they're, you know, also trying to carry on and handle business. And we right. find That's true. Kira and Dax – sitting in corks and they're reminiscing about the two men and Kira and or Dax is going on about how again Julian in his arrogance gave her his medical journals his personal her, medical her, journals his notes as he was 
moving through the academy and studying to become a hotshot doctor, his innermost uh, thoughts. He and wanted feelings. her to know why it was she was he was driven to be the the top of his class and why he feared failure. And then Jodzi admits that she, she never, never read them. Actually, read them. <laughs> well, and I mean, I, you know, the more I thought about it, I'm like, how arrogant can you be oh, to tell someone who you've clearly been flirting with and trying to bed this whole time that hey. I feel like the basically I feel like the reason you won't give me a chance to sleep with you is because you don't know me well enough. So here's yeah. my journal right. from from college. Yeah. Read it and then you'll know yeah. me and then that's going to make you want to I, I just I couldn't Yeah, could Bashir has no shame at all. None. There's nothing in his life that he has anything that he would rather not be talked about, maybe hidden, maybe a secret or two that, you know, talks badly about him or a secret habit that he wouldn't want to admit to. Nope, Bashir is an open book. I mean, that is know. that is probably the the truest statement. He is so overwhelmingly open. I mean, it. it is, are you sure? Are we yeah. sure he's human? Because I mean, he, the man has remember, no secrets. He's just ready to give. Remember the that. Books. Remember that professor who flew into the sun a couple episodes ago Say with his wife. Gideon Say yeah, it's tech. like. Why didn't Dr. Bashir and him have a scene together at all? Like, right. those two would either have been the best of friends or they would have been the worst of enemies. And I would oh. love to know which way that would have gone. <laughs> they would have been, I think they would have been inseparable friends. Like, if, yes, if, exactly. If, I think if that too. Bashir's personality had just, you know, taken the cues and jumped a couple of levels, those two yes. would have been laughing loudly, clapping each other on the back, exactly. all of that. And, and here's the reason gross. why. And the reason why is because they're both experts in different fields. So yes. they could they wouldn't have to be on each other's toes right. at all. They could just enjoy each other yes. to the fullest extent. <laughs> they are brilliant minds in their own fields and there's no competition exactly. between them, right? Exactly. It would, oh, it would have been awful. I mean it would have been beautiful <laughs> to watch, but awful at the same time. You yeah. know, like yeah. uh, that was another episode we said should have had like like a two parter, and this is oh, another reason why it should have see? been. <laughs> Like, there's so much from some of these sometimes, and it's just like it's a shame because a lot of the potential that we need uh, is squandered because simply because of time. Yes. Um, but back to that scene, you know, my favorite part, of course, is is Quark coming up to give a toast. <laughs> and yes, I totally His forgot. toast is It's ridiculous, on the house. Right. It's on the house. But it's so ridiculous. But we get a new rule of acquisition. Yes, and it's uh, please. Rule of acquisition to... number fifty-seven, and it is great Good customers customer. are as rare it's as rare. platinum. Treasure them. Yes, and it's it's like <laughs> yeah, oddly toast... beautiful yet. Well, his sweet. toast right before he, he goes that line, he says, "I want to give them a toast. They were some of my best customers. They always paid their tab on time. I will miss them." <laughs> Kira's like, <laughs> and it's That's like, it? is Quark? Is Cork intentionally playing up his being a uh, a uh, Ferengi right this moment? Like, is he being a is he being intentionally comedic, like with a dry delivery, or is he actually this unaware of his? He's not self aware enough to know what he's doing. And it's like, no, he's he's not self aware. He he, this is legitimate. Oh, I think that he's playing. they didn't they paid on time, and now he won't have access to their service to, to their money anymore. I think he's that's plenty, legitimate. I think he's plenty self aware as a Ferengi. Ferengi oh, value yes, exactly. Ferengi value money above all, and he's talking. He and he you. was totally serious. Yes, he was they were valuable serious. customers. They paid their bill yes. on time. There is nothing to a Ferengi. There is nothing greater than a valued returning 
paying customer. <laughs> yes. And he's <laughs> lost not one but two. I yes. feel like, yeah, his I mean, we we don't like the toast. Even Kira's like, that's it. And he's like, I'm not yeah. done. And then he <laughs> says, and then he says his part. I mean, it was like, like uh, I said, it was oddly beautiful because it was like yeah. He's true to himself. He's true to being right. a Ferengi. And the words that he uses, I mean, you can kind of feel that. Sorry, if you if you really want to, you know, get yourself into the realm of disbelief, you know. But, I mean, I feel like he's very true to being a Ferengi. Not a great human, but he right. was definitely a great Ferengi in that moment. Yeah. And another part of the toast I, I thought was hilarious is he says, uh, our, our lost comrades is like as if he was a part of the crew. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. You might be part of the cast of our show, but he is not a part of the crew. <laughs> and so there's no camaraderie in that sense between any of them. It's for him to suddenly volunteer that, oh, yeah, we all actually were a part of the same overall group. Nope, nope. Sorry, but sorry, Cork. Nope. <laughs> but it just, that was a fantastic little scene. And yeah, once again, Armin Shimmerman, when he gets his chance, he, he kills it. <laughs> yeah. he He's, I mean, definitely a, a standout in every episode that he's featured in. And, you yes. know, you kind of worry, especially this early on, you know, are we going to run into an overuse problem? You know, because, you know, that tends to be a thing that happens a lot with characters, especially the characters that people seem to respond so strongly to. Are there, yeah. Is there suddenly going to be a super saturation of them? And I don't feel like we've really gotten there yet. Now, again, this is only season two, and we've got, you know, five more seasons to go. So plenty right. of time for us to suddenly be like, you know what? I'm sick of Quark. But so far, they've done a pretty good job of balancing everybody out. And when they do show up, their scenes are, are tight. They're done well. And we're able to move on. And this is a, a right. great example of that. We hadn't seen yeah. hadn't seen Quark the entire episode. We see yes. him just for this scene. And he delivers. Right. And he's gone. And I love yes. it. I absolutely well, I just, love it. I, I just want to say this is another example of why Dax has been frustrating because we don't ever get this level of quality from a character like, da- from, from, like like Quark for Dax. And even in this episode, Dax is there and she does things, but I'm still waiting for that episode where she truly is the central character. She's the one who's having to make the hard decisions. She's the one who's having to drive the story. And mm-hmm. I mean, even Cisco at the very end is the one who's on you know the video conference with the with the alien ambassadors and right and he's he's the one confronting them about i mean of course he is he's there he's the commander so that makes sense but yeah dax is just there to say oh hey i saw a little blip in the timeline of the of the ship's log and it says that they did attempt to jump to the ship but um were stopped and that's basically all she does <laughs> now i will say for a little bit of behind the scenes trivia this episode since we were just talking about dax was originally written to feature dax it was supposed to be dax and bashir not not uh, bashir and o'brien o'brien and they yeah. changed that out um you know so so it's possible things could have been could have gone another way um i feel right. like what would have been what we gained so much here with O'Brien and Bashir would have wholly been lost. Like the story development of Bashir, I think would have been supplanted a bit because he yes. all we've seen of him so far is his definitely you know his one track fascination with Jadzia. So if Jadzia right. had been the one that became infected, would we have gotten a story about a past love and all that? Probably no. not, or at least not in the detail that we got. Um, yeah, I think that would well, have been harder to pull off a 
a building. Yeah, well, we certainly get her uh, Bashir's story about his lost love because he's critiquing marriage and, exactly. and O'Brien. And so we'd had to find another way. I mean, if Bashir had been like, oh, Dax, I'm over you, just like I'm over my ex, like he could have gone that way. And that could have been just as an ins- insulting and, and everything else. Yeah. Um, but we wouldn't have gotten, I, don't, I mean, unless Dax could have had the kind of response that O'Brien had. I mean, maybe Dax could have. I've lived multiple lives. And in one of my yeah. lives, I was married. And I had a full life married. Yeah. I've had a chance to experience it either way. And I actually can tell you that you're missing out. Maybe we could have had Dax do that. Um, but it certainly would have left Keiko out of the story. Um, O'Brien's yeah. Yeah. relationship with her would have been lost. So I, I'm glad it went this way, but I can yeah. see how that might have been the original intention for the episode. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, like you said, towards the end, we get to see Cisco not only in action, flying runabouts and so forth, but we get to see a little bit of the strategist in the man when uh, they trick the Talani and Kellerin into destroying yes. the other runabout while they secretly right. got away on the other one. So, you know, that whole scene. They had finally arrived, confronted the Talani and Kellerin. They had made contact with uh, Bashir and O'Brien and beamed them up already. And the right. uh, aliens were ready to destroy them, all for the sake of protecting this knowledge. They did not right. want anybody with any knowledge of the Harvesters to get away and potentially, at some point, recreate this very deadly weapon. Right. And, yes. you know, you can almost, almost understand, but they crossed the line, yeah. obviously, at murdering people. Um, yeah. you know. And we had a hard time doing it to our people as well, but we yeah. were committed to this course of action. Yeah, and at this yeah. point, it's kind of like, well, we murdered the other guy, so we kind of got to get them too. It's just fair, right? Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know. Once you start, you can't finish. Right, yeah. it's addicting, you know. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, Cisco, though, kind of plays on, on their lack of experience with the Federation and with Starfleet in order to, you know, pull this switch and get them out of there while unfortunately right. sacrificing um, a runabout. Um, <gasps> something that I get, always get a kick out of because Deep Space Nine runs through runabouts, man. They they don't last long. Yeah. They don't last long, and that's kind of... Well, I know the, you've said that Cisco loves naming them, so he does, a chance. He does love naming them, and so, of course, any chance to destroy one so he can get a new one to give it a new name yeah. um, is always... What was the name of this one that got destroyed? What was so, that I believe this was the Ganges? Ganges? Yeah, it the Ganges? that would make sense. Yeah, that's the Ganges. Well, it was, it was certainly one of the ones that was there because that's the one they tried beaming to at the beginning. Yes, um, okay. So, yeah. yeah, and then um, I believe we've already seen the Yangtze Kian. I think that one got destroyed earlier. And so my favorite one has not been named yet. So maybe in the next episode we will get the, get to hear the naming of the new one. So um, right. I'm going to hold off on mentioning <laughs> that. But if you are a Deep gotcha. Space Nine fan and you know the names of the shuttles, you should know which one I'm talking about because I feel like it's the only one that hasn't been mentioned at this time. Right. So we'll see. But I did love that scene, especially with you know them not paying attention. And by the time the aliens figured out what was going on, the other ship had already warped out. They were long gone. There was no catching right. them, you know. Yeah. And they just kind of you know pull that quintessential political cover up. Well, nope. We saw the shuttle destroyed, so we got them. You know, right. <laughs> we're not gonna go yeah. check. That was enough for us. And it's like, well, if that's the case, like everything that you did up to this point was for nothing if you if right. if that's all it really took was them being out of range then as soon as they got on their shuttle and went back 
to Deep Space Nine, they were out of your range. You never should have right. tried to kill them in the first place. And, you right. know, the whole episode, I guess we wouldn't even have an episode if, in the beginning, they had waited until the last of the harvesters were destroyed, then waited for our two Federation officers to beam back up to their shuttle, and then gone in and murdered all the scientists. We never would have known about any of it. Right. Never would have known yeah. about any of it. Yeah, they certainly, if, if we were to give them a chance to be successful, that was when they failed. Right. Um, and actually, I want to quickly say that's also part of why the reason I thought this, this episode was a bit stilted at, the, at first is because the, the whole firefight in the science room was, was not choreographed all the best. But hey, whatever. It, again, it served a purpose and we got the story going. Right. Um, yeah. Well, only so much they yeah. could do with a cramped space and a redressing of the sick bay. Um so is that what another, they did? if you look closely, the area where in the beginning of the episode that where they're doing the whole destroying of the harbors, everything that it's just a redress of the sick bay, another area of the sick bay that we see gotcha. later on when they like isolate people and there's like the one bio bed you know, in the center of the floor. It's that same yeah. room. It's the same gotcha. room. They just put some more shelves around and some cool gotcha. new lights. Same room. Um, <laughs> So I, I did think go oh go ahead, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say that I, I the idea that these two races so let's quickly answer this question. I don't know if you know the answer. Are we saying that they're two alien races or that they're two factions of the same alien race? I believe that that was the case. They were two factions of the same alien race. They look okay. the same except for their hairstyles. So that could right. be more along the lines of this was a either a ideological or a regional dispute that kind of right. consumed the whole planet. So right. yeah, that that's what these two were. Again, the Talani and the Kelleran, which if you look at the way that they are represented anyway, the Talani were the more scientifically minded ones, and then the Kelleran were the more militaristic. More military. Yeah, that makes they sense. were the that's ones true. with the all black hair and the top knot that right. you were talking about. You know, right, so yeah, yeah. They were the more militaristic ones. And so okay. what we were seeing there was a combination of these two people finally, you know, um coming together and the slow trying to blend those ways with clearly a more clear, you know, we could clear, still see there were some differences in their dynamic. Right. So the thing that kind of stood out to me is, it's kind of a little bit of an issue, which again, might've been helped to explain if this was a two parter is man, these two factions have suddenly agreed on a course of action and like they're together on it. They don't ever argue or disagree or say, Oh man, maybe like none of, no one ever says, I, I'm not sure about this course of action and like there there there's some internal you know argument no no they're all on the same page mm -hmm. which if they had gone from a world destroying war and now we're seeing them at the point where they're like in agreement on everything it's like man I mean, what's the story there that's that's kind of hard to swallow with yeah. one go I mean again just got to give the show a chance to get an episode going to get the story told um, and then the other half of that for me is like okay, only these people in this room understand this super deadly technology. Like, it was pretty obvious, or at least it seemed to me, as a pretty clear stand-in for, like, nuclear weapons. So, yeah. as we know in our real world, nuclear weapons are, are... I mean, I don't know the knowledge directly of how to make a nuclear weapon, but it's the knowledge about that sort of thing is out there as such to such an extent that it'd be almost impossible, as far as I'm aware to really stamp out all that knowledge. It would, I would imagine, well, again, be effectively impossible, but I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, they don't, again, something that would have 
potentially could have been covered if this had been a longer episode, a two-parter, you know. We're kind of under the assumption here that these harvesters have decimated both sides. Like, that's kind of the reason right. that, that's that brought true. them to the yes. point of we're now willing to work together despite we still have some very clear differences, right? That this... Right. You know, whichever side developed it first, it's quickly spread to the point that we are now all significantly suffering. So right. to that end, when it comes to destroying these scientists, it's like clearly there was a loss of knowledge and they had to kind of rediscover probably how to make them before they could even begin the process of how to destroy right. them, which is why right. they would have asked for the Federation's help, because the Federation would have greatly sped up that process because they have access to countless other civilizations knowledge training and so forth so again that explains why they would want to invite them in and it also to its extent explains their fear because they don't totally master this technology anymore they've been living in fear of it they've just gotten to a point where they can really kind of destroy it and they want to make sure that not only are they destroying it but they're also destroying the fear of someone else recreating this so anybody right. now that they that they've now directly been able to control right everybody that's right. been working on this project the thought of any of them getting back out and recreating these things is enough that they're willing to right. wipe them all out and chase these two aliens all over the place just to try to kill right. them yeah yeah i also thought that um at the beginning of the episode, I thought when they were saying, oh, we need to destroy all the knowledge about this technology, that that was going to turn into, but someone actually has kept the technology, and that, therefore, this whole effort is going to be shown to have been a fool's errand because one side is actually ready and willing to uh, use the technology again once they think the other side has been effectively de-armed. And that's not what happened. So the twist is not that... Yeah, there's that. They actually, it's like the aliens actually anticipated my my fear of someone would actually have the technology and use it. Mm-hmm. They're like, that's such a thing that we can't have. That is so f- dangerous to us. We're gonna kill anybody associated with this technology, even if that means the Federation uh, uh, ambassador or uh, Federation officers have to die as well. Um, so actually, I, I do think and it's always fun. Like I said, I've said before, sometimes I like to. Well, it takes, it's like you know, stories sometimes kind of telegraph where they're going to go. Yeah. And so you, if you know how to read the telegraphed storyline and then the story is able to anticipate how you might anticipate things and therefore they can jib and jive back and forth. You know, they can they can find a way to get a story told that um, you weren't expecting. That's always fun. So I do like the fact that they were able to – I mean, I, again, I think it was kind of a pill to swallow to get things going. But then once they did, it's like, okay, this is, this is a twist is that they – have committed to destroying this technology, um, which is not what I would have imagined the story would go. Yeah. So good. Yeah, I, I agree. I definitely agree. I think that, um, again, the story also several because there was a little bit, uh, another little behind the scenes tidbit there is the script was rewritten. Like I said, originally it was supposed to feature Dax, not um, O'Brien. And so I think that there was probably a lot of things that were already in place that now they had to figure out how to like take out and now make right. work for O'Brien, which might explain some of the um, awkward transitions or the stiffness that you're talking about as well, right. trying to, you know, blend this story so it probably meant having to cut a lot more in places before they realized it and then having to extend in others where they weren't ready to do it so right. a lot of that could have could explain 
I could explain right. away some of these issues. But despite all of that, this is still overall ranked as a pretty enjoyable episode whenever it's um, polled. Um, a lot of people like that kind of man on the lamb feel you get from this. Also, the budding yes. romance between O'Brien and uh, Bashir as well. So there's just a lot of little great takeaways from this. Um, right. Again, we talked about Quark 2, but as always, got to ask you, who do you think gave the standout performance in this episode? Um, you know, honestly, I feel like everyone who had their chance to be on screen did it right. I mean, even Dax and Kira in the, in Cork's bar, like we were getting more from them, you know, they're talking about Bashir. So I feel like all of them were great, but, um, actually I, as, as you were talking just now, I just realized there was one other thing that had stood out to me during this episode, which was actually at the beginning of this season, when, um, we opened with the three-parter episode, there was the moment where Kira and O'Brien went to the prison planet that the Cardassians had, and they uh, helped cause the escape mm-hmm. of um, that Lee one Nallis. guy. That's it, Lee Nallis. And I remember at the time thinking, like, you know, O'Brien, like, agreed to go on this away mission really easily. Like, he has a wife and kid back home. And so this episode actually addresses that concern, and Bashir actually speaks out loud the more well, he speaks out loud the true concern I would have. is like, he's going to a war zone. He's going into dangerous situations. How do you raise a family with that, you know, always being in the back of their mind and your mind? So I do want to say that I think Bashir's concern is realistic and that O'Brien gives the, the correct answer of, like, it is worth it. Um, but I, I feel like, like, I've already had that question, and they, like, it's like, it's like I've been waiting till this episode to get an answer from O'Brien about why he's willing to do that, and Okay, he gives an answer. Um, I still think it was kind of strange that he <laughs> volunteered so quickly the first time, but all right. <laughs> well, I think that's always kind of the enigma of O'Brien. You know, even on Next Generation, we knew that he had a lot of, you know, experience career-wise, you know, but he wasn't a he wasn't an officer. He's an oncom, you know? So right. he's got a lot of expertise. We see that he's been referenced a couple of times, you know, before he was an engineer, he was a security officer. I mean, he's kind of been all over the place, really gaining yeah. that kind of, you know, firsthand knowledge. And so it makes him indispensable wherever he's at. So when we see him going off on the mission, like with Kira, for example, it's like we sent him not because he was an engineer, but because he was a better pilot. That's why they sent him. And then also right. he had background in fighting the Cardassians as well. So right. he was, he would obviously have been an asset there. Plus right. also as a non-com officer, he's not as valuable. Like if, if to just be completely honest, <laughs> oh, man. he's not as valuable. Like if, if they were to send Riker on that same mission and Riker got right. captured, then we've got a more serious issue security wise than if a non-com right. engineer gets right gets captured so i mean so True. there's a there's a value there you know um on that point and i'm not trying to say i don't like o'brien please don't come for me <laughs> on any of the twitters or whatever I'm not saying that i'm just saying yeah. we know that we and this has just been historically officers are always right. valued more than right. regular soldiers or non-com so right yeah. so i would guess i would just say that then if there's anyone who does a great job then the one that kind of i liked a lot or at least kind of stood out to me a little bit was was o'brien was um uh, who's the actor who plays him? Um, Cole Meany. That's it. Cole Meany does a great job. Like there was that one moment where he was, you know, he was laying on the floor and he's sick and he's kind of having to pretend to be, uh, you know, pretend to be sick and that he's kind of losing it. 
and like that accent he has, it's it's Scottish, right? It's Irish. Sc- He's Irish. Irish. I, I mean, sometimes it's hard for me to tell the difference. But anyway, I thought it was Irish at first, but then I was like, no, it must be Scottish. Anyway, yeah, his accent kind of came through there, and it was. I mean, it's not. It just is who he is, and it just was great. Like, yeah, this is O'Brien. O'Brien is Irish, and he's kind of losing it here. And mm-hmm. I say that um, Colm Meany maybe is the is the one who deserves the most credit because he had to do the most in the episode. Yeah, I would agree with that. I'd also give you know special mention, of course, to Arthur Bashir because even though he's telling a story that you know fizzles out at the end, he gives a, he gives a great lead in, um, but then he does kind of fizzle out there, but. Um, I think overall, I like seeing the more positive development of him in the story instead of him being the guy endlessly chasing Dax, who is just not having it. You know, we get to right. see him in another um, another light. And he, of course, does something that we've highlighted a couple of times here, which is the seriousness with which he takes his own job and protecting his friends. When he first notices yeah. that O'Brien is sick and that something is wrong with him, he instantly jumps to his attention yes. and is trying to yeah. help him and even takes over doing the work for him so that his friend can rest and not right. potentially burn himself out faster by exerting right. himself. So I really right. enjoy stuff like that with him because it stops yeah. me from always being like, Oh God, another cat episode, you know, where he's just, you know, <laughs> but it's, it's something else that gives him yeah. a lot of redeeming quality. So I really enjoy that. Um, right. And then, you know, Cisco again, outsmarting everybody at the end. I just, I, I enjoy watching yeah. Cisco kind of do these smooth moves. You know, we're not yes. really seeing him be super angry or aggressive or whatever. He just kind of does stuff and everybody's just like, didn't see it coming. I just love that about him. So some great yeah. parts for, for all involved. Odo was conspicuously absent in this. We saw him one time. Briefly. And yeah. it just, you know, again, Odo's favorite character. So I would like to see him more. Uh, but right. we, we've gotten a lot from Odo lately. So I can understand them kind of being like, let's chill this out a little bit. We'll calm things down and give Renee a break from having to wear all that hot, hot makeup and everything <laughs> else he's been on for a while. So yeah. enjoyed it all. But yeah, I'm still gonna. Uh, I'll, I'm gonna give it to both O'Brien and Bashir as yes. our our standouts for this. Oh, they certainly. I would certainly say if there's any any. Yeah, it has to be uh, Bashir as our secondary because they're everything that happens in this episode happens to the two of them. Yeah, Alexander Siddig, um is second to Cole Meany in this yes. episode. Yeah. Well, all right. Um... I think that's going to wrap it up for us here on this episode. David, do you have anything further before we go? Any updates, anything coming up for you in the new week or anything like that? Uh, no, I guess I'll go ahead and just mention that in a week or two, my sister-in-law is having a murder mystery party for her, for her birthday. So uh, I'll be going as the, the comedian who secretly harbors murderous thoughts for people. So, <laughs> Um, look forward to doing that. Uh, again, that's about two weeks out, but I look forward to saying how that went. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't have anything actually planned for this week either, other than trying to get through it. Um, hopefully things stay smooth and there's not a, any major upsets anywhere. I do have to buy new dishware, apparently, because now I don't have a complete set anymore. And we could talk about that another time, but uh, <laughs> I'll be doing that. And then, of course, as always, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook as The Fire Capes, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. And uh, send us any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll try to answer them there or we'll save them and answer them on our next episode. So uh, 
do that. And until next time, all I'll say is take care of yourselves. Thanks, guys.